Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pod of DC. I'm your host, Rick Bernstein. I hope you're having a fine, fine day. Well, a little fun fact about your host here, I have been involved with the Mrs. America organization for almost 10 years now, first serving as an announcer for the Mrs. DC America pageant, and then moving over to being host since 2015. So as a lead up to the Mrs. America pageant in March of this year in Las Vegas, I wanted to showcase the life and experiences of the reigning Mrs. DC America, Jean Ann Roberts. On this episode of The Pod, Jean Ann shares her pageantry experiences as a child growing up in West Virginia, the programs she is currently supporting representing the Crown, her work as a Girl Scouts leader in the D.C. area, and her passion for the organization in helping develop strong female leaders for the future. Here she is, Mrs. D.C. America 2020, Jean Ann Roberts. Enjoy. Recording in progress. Health check passed. Okay. Is that not synonymous for the world we live in today? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, you always heard, or at least from me, from my parents, like your health is everything as a kid. And you're like, I don't understand that. You know what I mean? Now I do. Yes. (laughs) It does. I mean, what else do you have without it? Right. Right. You you don't have anything. You know, you're a Virgo. And so do you follow your sign and kind Um, of the day to days and year to years and those kinds of things with it? Well, I'll read it once in a while, but I just know that what they say about Virgo, I'm a Virgo. I I can't remember now exactly all the qualities, but I think I have them. I looked up Virgos before our conversation today, and this is what it said. It said, for Thursday, January 28th, 2021, it says, don't be too hard on yourself. Find new goals to meet every day, something small and easy that boosts your confidence. And I thought of you and I said, you know what? I feel like just in the conversations that we've had, this would be something that would apply. You're very much a Virgo. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) I am very, and I'm very driven. I'm just finding out new things about myself. I'm the type of person I will persevere until I'm successful. I I never really saw that, but now I see it. Well, here's a description of Virgo, and some some might apply, not all. They're perfectionists. They're 100% diligent in everything they do. They have a critical sense of themselves as well as of others. Their planning, persevering, and tenacious side make them achieve everything they set out to achieve. They become too obsessed with having a routine at home, work, and or health. (laughs) (laughs) What do you you think of that description? Oh, that's a million percent me. My husband, it makes him crazy because anything I pursue, (laughs) like he said, I thought modeling was your passion. And I said, well, I never told you, but pageantry is my passion too. I just never told you about it because I really buried that dream and I never thought it would happen again. And now that it's the store is opened again, I'm very much passionate about this. (laughs) So. I know you are. And we first really came into contact virtually in June of this year as your crowning as Mrs. DC America 2020. Yes. I would say first ever Mrs. America crowning virtually the way we had to do it just because of COVID, but certainly the very first for Mrs. DC. Right. I I was prepared for it because we had been doing the Zoom and I've been practicing it with my friends. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know we were going to do the Zoom, but everything just went so smoothly and so perfectly. And I just was ready for it. I'm familiarizing myself with Williamson. And actually, it's really fascinating, the evolution of the town itself. And I know that's where you grew up. But was that born, raised, everything right there? Or was it just you ended up spending most of your formative time there? I 
am related to the Hatfields and McCoys. Okay. That pretty much says it all. Okay. (laughs) 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 But no, I will say I was born in Charleston, West Virginia. And then I had, my dad was in sales and we ended up moving when I was three years old and my sister was four. We moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we lived there for a couple of years. Then we moved to Florida for four years, and then we moved to Tennessee for five years. And so I ended up back in West Virginia when I was 12 years old. And we were meant to go back there because both sets of grandparents lived in that area. And I was really, really close to both sets of my grandparents. And it was just such a beautiful moment in time. Yeah, the the whole Hatfield-McCoy thing, if, if people aren't familiar, was basically that turf war back in the uh, mid-1800s to late 1800s, right, where you have this feud along the border of West Virginia and Kentucky, and that's really where Williamson sits. Yes, you are very familiar with it. And I will say, I, I'm not going to say I am proud, you know, of that feud, but, you know, I am part of it. It's part mm. of my history, uh, my great uncle was Devil Ants Hatfield. Okay. So that's how connected I am to the Hatfield clan. With coal mining and a lot of the jobs kind of moving out of that area, it's been interesting to hear and learn about Williamson leading up to our conversation because it looks like, you know, there's been some setback from jobs and and just socioeconomics, but there's also been this infusion of investments from a lot of, you know, social entrepreneurs doing social good and looking at Williamson as one of those towns that they want to help really get on their feet and start adapting and not being at the mercy of those coal jobs, you know, moving away. Well, I will tell you, my grandfather was a coal miner, and then he became the sheriff of Mingo County. And like I said, I was really close to my grandparents. They had a big part of my pageantry world, believe it or not. My love of modeling is really what led me to the pageantry world. We had a pageant, and it was called Miss Magnolia Fair. For that pageant, it was beauty and talent. And then we had Miss Mingo County, that was also beauty and talent. And I And I was crowned both of those. It was like magical to be in both of those pageants and have my grandparents be part of it. And then I went on to to Miss Junior Miss, which is actually connected to the Miss America pageant system. Right. And I did not even place. After I lost that pageant, I said to myself, if I ever have an opportunity again to do this, I will be prepared and I will, I I know what it feels like to lose and I'm never going to lose again Mm -hmm. because it was so, I hate to say like it was devastating, but at that moment it was, to me, it was devastating. And my mom, like the look on her face when I lost it, like it makes me want to cry. Sorry. I always, I get emotional, but you're just taking myself back to that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just thought I want to make my mom proud. When I, oh, I'm sorry. So when I won Mrs. DC America, when I signed up for that pageant, I put all my heart and soul into it. And I said, I'm going to win this pageant for my mom, you know, not just me, but for both of us. There's so much to the story, but that's a little bit of it. Sorry, I get, I got so emotional. If anyone who has been involved with pageantry, especially the Mrs. DC America organization, you know, it's really become this pageantry with a purpose. 
And I love, and I love that angle because there is so much more to it. There's an inner purpose and then there's an outward purpose. And a lot of the women who I have worked with now, again, I've been associated with this organization 10 years now. And so I've seen a lot of contestants come across the stage and then last year across the screen (laughs) and every single one is bringing something unique. They're bringing themselves, they're bringing a passion for their purpose. And I know yours is really creating a new generation of leaders with young women, and and it's your association and attachment with the Girl Scout organization. Tell me a little bit about how that started personally for you and kind of where it's led you to today. Well, I was a Girl Scout, and now my daughter is a Girl Scout, and I'm the leader of her troop. So she's carrying on my legacy. The Girl Scouts It's time-tested and proven to produce leaders. It's just an incredible organization. It started in 1912, and Juliet Gordon-Lowe, she is the founder. And people are going to probably think that, you know, when you think of a Girl Scout, you think of somebody that's young, and you think of the leader as being a young mom, but she never had children. And then when her husband died, she met the leader of the Boy Scouts. He had just started the troop and 6,000 girls signed up and acted like they were boys so that they could be part of the Boy Scouts. At that moment, she realized that she found her purpose and she started the Girl Scout organization and she started it at the age of 55. That is what is so incredible because I am that same age. And I I believe this is no coincidence. I believe that her traditional values, she wants to bring those traditional values back. And I'm from a different generation. You know, I was taught to sew. I was taught to cook. I was taught to bake. Not that being out in the world and working full time, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, there's many different options these days that women have, which is incredible and wonderful. But I also believe that being able to do those life skills really takes you all through life when you do have children to be able to cook a really good, healthy meal for them. Being able to sew, our motto is be prepared to help others. And we are one of the first organizations that the government calls on during an emergency. And so they called on us to to make face masks. And because I knew how to sew, my daughter, I had taught her how to sew and we were able to sew a hundred masks. At the time, I wasn't the Girl Scout leader And none of the other girls knew how to sew because their moms were from a different generation. I taught all of them how to sew. And now my whole troop knows. And so everybody that comes in, you know, it's not a requirement for every Girl Scout troop. But for my Girl Scout troop, I believe it is an important life skill. And you also get a badge with it. Everything that the Girl Scouts do is connected to a badge. And that also helps girls set goals and succeed at those goals. As a little girl, I just loved the Girl Scouts. There was five children, so there wasn't a lot of individualized attention. So when I went to the Girl Scouts, I got a lot of attention. And I learned a lot of life skills, and we did a lot of fun things. And I just always remember that memory as being such a sweet moment. So I thought when I had to pick a platform to run for Mrs. D.C., I thought, I'm going to pick the Girl Scouts. And I originally was just a volunteer And then they made me the co-leader. The leader of the troop said, when you play in these events, they're so incredible that can you be the leader? I'll do all the paperwork. So that's how it all started out. And now it's every Friday for the last seven months, 
my Girl Scout troop has met either at my house or we've met somewhere and I've either taught them a life skill or we've done an outdoor activity. We've been helping the community because this month is Human Trafficking Prevention Month. My Girl Scouts are going to learn self-defense. And then I have a lady, she was Miss Nepal. She went to compete in Miss Nepal Universe. She came in in the top 12 and her platform is human trafficking. So she is going to come and speak to the girls about human trafficking and that she has a place in India, a nonprofit there where she helps human trafficking victims. But she wants to let the girls know that it's not just in India, that there, it is here also. Tell them how they can be aware and prevent that from ever happening to them. When you put together the actual group and the activities like Girl Scouts and it being for girls, right, that's in the name, and then you have Boy Scouts and it's in the name Boy. You know, recently there has been this movement, I guess, towards opening up the Boy Scouts also with girls. Where, where do you stand in, in kind of that thought? And my daughter is in Girl Scouts. I'm encouraging her to stick with it and she enjoys it and she enjoys the girls she's with. But it has, okay. she does bring it up in conversation because her brother's in the Boy Scouts and this crossover. How do you feel about that? I believe that girls should stay as a group together. There's actually evidence that girls perform better when the boys aren't around. And not that they can't do the same activities. But it's more that they're at an age where they might feel they're just trying to find themselves. And all my girls are 11 and 12. They're kind of trying to find themselves. And it's really hard, I feel like, when you put a boy, the boys in the mix, because then there's, you know, the girls have crushes. And, and I don't really think that they can focus on learning life skills, core values, and preparing to be leaders when you mix those two together at that age. I yeah. think as, you know, at an older age, I think it's fine. But I think just at that 11 and 12 year old age, I feel like it's just better for the Boy Scouts to have the boys as a group and mm -hmm. the girls be together as a group. And I just want to make it clear, like, I believe that girls can do anything boys can do and boys can do anything girls can do. There you go. I'm just saying this from <laughs> my, my life experience. That's how I would feel if I was 11 and 12. Right. You know, the Girl Scout's motto is a Girl Scout is ready to help out whenever she is needed. Willingness to serve is not enough. You must know how to do the job well, even in an emergency. Now, we've had a few little emergencies with my son here and there, just little accidents and stuff. And I don't think she had that strong willingness to serve her brother in the, <laughs> immediately in that time. So it kind of goes back to what you're saying about blending, whether it's brothers and sisters in the same troop and that kind of thing. I'm with you. I like the girls really deepening those girl friendships that they have and sharing those self-interests. Mine are only 20 months apart in age, so there's plenty that they overlap in, but there is something about a little girl bonding with another little girl over what they're interested in, right? And it's not something that a lot of times the boys will be. So I'm with you there. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. And I'm with you too. I mean, home ec, is that a subject anymore in, in middle school? These harken back to what you were talking about, right? So these are uh -huh. generational things that we've kind of seen phase out because there has been more access now and obviously much more of that ceiling being broken through long overdue in the upper ranks with women. So these kinds of courses, these everyday things are, are very important, vital. I mean, you look at your family 
is a business. Yeah. You want them healthy. You want things financially secure. You know, mm-hmm. your family is a business in the healthy sense and that you want just healthy participants and healthy social emotional development and, and the likes. Yes. I mean, I just believe it's so important. I mean, everybody has a different meal plan, but I do believe that when you know how to cook, your family's going to be healthier. And I even said to my kids, I'm like, one day there might not be libraries anymore. Mm-hmm. I just think books are so powerful. That's another something that people don't really focus on anymore. Now, a book is something you would certainly bring on an airplane to kill some time. You spent quite a lot of time in the air yourself as a flight attendant. Tell me about your time up in the air and, and visiting what? Was it 20 different countries over your time as a flight attendant? Yes, I did. I was a flight attendant for 12 years. And my first 10 years, I flew domestic. And then my last two years, I flew international. Yeah, it was a great experience. And I will say that uh, I was flying during the Gulf War. You know, I volunteered to fly soldiers to Iraq. So there were some serious moments too. And I thought, you know what, I need, I want to serve my country. And this is such a great opportunity. So we had to go and we had to sign and we had to go in a, into a meeting. It was very serious. And they were like, there's a chance if you go there, you might not come back. It's a war zone. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to do it because I just feel like I need to do this for this country. And the war ended within the amount of time that I was scheduled to go. So I didn't end up going there to take soldiers, but I was ready and willing to do oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a really incredible moment. There's got to be some unnerving moments, though, in the air sometimes. Did any scary experiences with either passengers or flight pa- or weather patterns or, or anything like that during your 12 years? I mean, I was very lucky because there was never, we never had any emergency landings. There was some scary moments when there was thunderstorms and then the plane would just start shaking. And But it never lasted super long. I was really blessed. The 12 years I flew, I don't have any super scary moments. So, you know, I know people that actually went down in the water in New York. Oh, wow. And I know it was unbelievable. But no, I was really blessed that that never happened. And I, it was just not smooth sailing, but, you know, yeah. smooth flying for all these years. Absolutely. But it's interesting getting back to your sign, right? So having a routine, right, at home, work, and or with health, I can see being a flight attendant, you're letting go of that control, even though you're technically not a passenger, but you are not in the cockpit. You don't have control of that airplane. You're giving some of that up. Did any of that hit you as far as not being able to control that and and not enjoying that aspect of it? That was difficult, but I was focusing on controlling the passengers. Mm -hmm. And also because as a flight attendant, you're uh, required to know how to do CPR. Anything happens to a passenger where they need oxygen, mm-hmm. you know, so I really think I focused on the passengers and right. I did have an incident where I had a passenger that could not breathe. I only had this one time in all, all you know, in 12 years, but I was able to save his life. And it wow. was such a wonderful moment because every single year, you know, you have to go to flight attendant training for a week, every single year. Mm-hmm. And you had to learn, you know, everything about how to resuscitate a person, even how to give birth. Oh, wow. <laughs> if there's a, they, yeah, that's incredible. That, I, I didn't thought deliver that any might babies, Jean Ann? Come on. <laughs> 
And I thought I was probably going to at some point because of some of the people that came on board that were pregnant, but that never happened. But the guy that, that could not breathe, he turned blue and I immediately grabbed the oxygen, put it on him and saved his life. And it was the best feeling in the whole world. And good thing for that training. Once a year, you said you get that refresher on everything. Yes. Because you really wonder if you're ever going to use it when you actually, something happens, you just immediately, you know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. So it was a great feeling. I had American Red Cross come in here and teach them CPR at the age of 11. And they all know how to do CPR now. Love it. They know how to do CPR on babies, on kids, and on adults. And that is for a babysitting badge. So it's really incredible. Like these badges are amazing because some of the badges are very, are called fun patches. And they're like when you go ice skating or snow tubing, but then some are very serious. You can save somebody's life. We don't realize how really reliant we are of each other. If we become a patient and we go into a healthcare facility, well, we're relying on those healthcare workers. Don't we want today what's best for them so that tomorrow when we're a patient, they're going to be out to do the right thing and help us? Right. And it's contagious. Smiling, spreading good really is contagious. Yes, yes, it is. Lifting somebody up or maybe helping somebody not be fearful. Because I I really feel like those are the two things that we need to focus on right now to get through this time. Agreed. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely agree. What do you think this opportunity to serve in a virtual way has provided you that maybe you wouldn't think of if you were able to do these in-person appearances? Every Friday, my Girl Scouts have come here since I won Mrs. DC America. And so I have done in-person appearances with my Girl Scouts, and we have followed all the rules as far as taking temperatures, wearing masks, and we've been able to continue on with that. What I'm learning is that there is power in your words, and also there's power in your pictures. The pictures that I post, you know, depending on what it is, it's interesting to see Like some of the pictures, I'm like, oh, nobody's going to, there's not going to be any feedback, but then it's incredible. A picture does say a thousand words. So I do think there is so much power in having this crown and really helping others. Like I've really been lucky in being able to raise money for some food pantries in the area with Make-A-Wish. I have been able to raise almost a thousand dollars for that. And now, tomorrow, I'm doing a Facebook Live for Victoria's Voice, which is the Mrs. America pageant platform. This also is such an incredible platform that can connect with my my Girl Scouts. It has to do with drug education, awareness, and prevention. You know, with my mentoring young girls to become future leaders, what I am doing is I'm giving them the confidence that they need so they will make the right decisions and hopefully not choose to try drugs, you know, because peer pressure in middle school is, there's a lot of peer pressure. Always a thing. Yep. So I'm very excited to come on board and unite with Victoria's Voice. I'm going to be going to compete for Mrs. America in March, and I want them to see how much I believe in their platform because our platforms are both about the youth and we need to do everything we can to help them succeed. Going and competing on the stage in Las Vegas, which I imagine will be in person and socially socially safe for, yeah. for everybody. What do you feel like is going to set you apart when you walk that stage in Las Vegas? 
what is going to set me apart is my life experience. Like I got married at the age of 40. When I gave birth to my son, he, he almost died in childbirth. And I knew in that moment how precious life is. You know, I've traveled to over 20 different countries. And I also volunteered to fly soldiers to Iraq. I, I do know what service to country means. I also have been married to my husband for over 14 years. And we have a 12-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. And I know what true commitment is. And that is what I believe I can bring to the Mrs. America organization. This all started when you were Miss Magnolia, yes. Miss Magnolia Fair, and then Miss Mingo County there uh, in Williamson. In the coal mines. Uh, West Virginia, <laughs> that's right. Growing up in Williamson, West Virginia, in between two mountains, mm-hmm. I thought one day I want to travel the world. And that is what made me pursue becoming a flight attendant. And it really was an amazing adventure. But I did not tell you before that it took a long time to get a job in the airline industry. So throughout my 20s, I did a lot of different jobs. I actually worked for the West Virginia legislature and I was a secretary for Mark Manchin, who is the brother of Senator Joe Manchin. That is another thing that I'm hoping that my Girl Scouts, that we can connect with him because 73% of female current senators are former Girl Scouts. Mm. Even though he's a guy, I don't know him personally, but I know his brother personally. And I, I would love for the Girl Scouts to be able to go and ask him questions. And it might be something that they might want to do for a future career. When I became a Girl Scout leader, everything I learned in my graduate courses for my education It all came back to me, and that is why I'm able to plan all these incredible activities for my Girl Scouts. You know, there's always a reason for everything, and I feel like that is why that happened for this moment. And I did want to tell you that I'm also a model. A couple years ago, I had been a stay-at-home mom for 12 years, and I told my husband I wanted to go out and find a job for a year in a jewelry store. And after a year, they were going to give me a raise. When I went to see if I was going to get the raise, they said, you know what? We're not going to give raises this year. They were paying me $11 an hour. Mm. And I thought to myself, I'm worth more than $11 an hour and I'm going to go pursue my real dream. So I went to New York. I found an incredible photographer. They took my pictures. I, I, I even was like, I just don't even know like if they even have a market for somebody that's at the time I was 53. These people are photographers, but they were all, they, they were models and they met in Paris on a shoot when they were in their twenties. And they said to me, we believe that you are not only going to be a model, but anything you want to do, you are going to be able to do it. You just have the looks and the passion. So I went, got the pictures. I ended up with two New York agencies. And in that year I did five national campaigns and I am still working as a model and an actress. Both of my kids are in it with me. And my son and I just did a commercial two weeks ago together. And that was really great too. Very cool. There's quite a bit of appearances to see you on coming up, including in Las Vegas, March 19th through the 27th. Of course, this is all tentative based on the status of of health and the pandemic. But that's, I take it, going to be a pretty big one for you in about two months now. Right. Well, no, it's even, I think it's less than two months away. Yeah. And less than two months away. Yes. Yes. Unreal. 
you know, it's a dream from even as a child, even before I was in any pageants, my family and I, we used to watch the Miss America pageant. And it was just one of those things every girl dreams to be a queen and have a crown on her head. But I think what's more amazing is that with that crown, you can do incredible things. And that's my, that's my plan. You know, us DCites, we're, we're so excited for what you and, and our other contestants, our, our Miss DC for America and Mrs. DC American will all be representing in Las Vegas in March. Well, Jean Ann, you've got a lot of great things ahead of you. You've had quite a life to this point and have made an impact in so many different ways. And from your hometown in Williamson, West Virginia, now to the nation's capital here in Washington, D.C., and we're all rooting for you. What a tremendous year it's been, I know, for you and the impact it's made on you and the impact you've made in wearing the crown. So thank you for being such a great representative of, of D.C. Thank you. I, I just would like to say, I feel so blessed to be able to represent the District of Columbia and be a positive role model for not just the youth of our country, but for everyone to make it and make a difference. Yeah, well, we really are pulling for you, Jean Ann, and we want folks to keep up with you and in, in all the good work that you're doing with the Girl Scouts and your platform and putting out those messages of hope and of unity. We can find you on Instagram at Mrs. DC America, as well as Roberts. So those are your two IG handles. And then we can find you on Facebook as well, Ann Roberts. Yes, that's correct. So this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and taking time to share your story and, and your journey as the crown holder this year in, in quite a year. I know it's been quite a unique experience for you. Yes. So, thank you. Great. Well, listen, thank you so much again. And thank you all for listening to The Pod of DC. I'm your host, Rick Bernstein, and we'll talk soon.